Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. WTF1 presents Hot Takes Wednesday. Welcome back to another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. Glad you could join us after, well... I guess a week off from F1 because after all the yeah, we had the Japanese Grand Prix last week there was a lot of takes that have come in so much so we've had to carry some over into this week's episode so I'm looking forward to getting into some of these before the Qatar Grand Prix starts this weekend and joining me is a wonderful guest I've been waiting to have this person on the show for a little while You'll recognize the voice if you're an eagle-eyed fan of WTF1 because she was my partner in crime in Las Vegas uh, a couple of weeks ago when we did the live version of the WTF1 rap. You can check out, powered by our friends at MoneyGram, of course. But I'm joined by the, the one, the only Miss F1, Caroline. Hello, Caroline. So good. Thank you so much for having me. It is delight to be here. Thank you so much for joining me so late in your day because we're <laughs> separated by a whole ocean. So I'm excited to just cross, what is it? Cross continentally yeah. take on these hot takes. Let's yeah, do this. Yeah. Small body of water, five hours between yes. us, but we'll, we'll figure it out. This is going to be the fastest editing job in history. So don't worry about that. Um, Amazing. I've, I've, got, I've got you covered. I've got you covered. Don't worry about it. This is all about you, darling. This is how it's going to be. Okay. Uh, Ooh, got- I don't know. I don't think it's about me. I think it's about some of these hot takes because I've glanced at some of them and I'm like, oh, it's going to get hot in here. Oh yeah, no, like you you understood the brief straight away when I sent in the takes to you originally. So uh, this is going to be a very fun episode indeed. So for those who are new here, as I, as I always say, every podcast is somebody's first. You, the fine WTF1 audience, send in your takes. You can do so on Twitter at WTF1 official. I still refuse to call it X. You can DM me on Instagram at DreWTF1 if you haven't already. Or you can email the show, contact at WTF1.com. All the takes get sent in to me. Don't worry. I do read them all. Some of them are almost too spicy for broadcast, but I appreciate the effort entirely. Um, so once that happens, me and my guest, in this case, the lovely Caroline, will go back and forth. We'll talk a little bit about these takes and then we'll score them on a scale of one to five. One being that we strongly disagree and five being that we strongly agree. Caroline, do you want to play on hard difficulty, which means you only get to use free once? We don't Ooh. like fence sitters on this show. Um, you can play on hard mode if you feel like it. How does that okay. how, how does that sound to you? Hard mode sounds good. I don't feel like I am pessimistic enough to give more than three ones on these. So <laughs> just know that if I give a two, maybe it's me trying to give a one, but I couldn't. Yeah, you're only allowed to use the, the free rating once. So don't be in the middle. Okay. It's, uh, that's the, three ones. That's, that's the plan. That's the plan. Good luck. Um, How many ones again? <laughs> Two ones? Three no, ones? No, no, just, just, just one free rating. Oh, you only have to one give the three. Free. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's a challenge. And mm. I, mean, I should say this isn't a visual medium because the look on Caroline's face there was, uh, was a treat, <laughs> let me tell you. Right. Well, the real treat is that none of you can see my face right now. Let's just be <laughs> totally honest. <laughs> you said it, not me. We're not judging. <laughs> right. Shall we get into Hot Takes Wednesday, Caroline? Let's hit it. Let's hit it. Take number one comes comes from a very familiar friend of ours, Marcin Zygmunt, who sent in many a quality take on this show. Marcin, you're the man. Um, this first one, and uh, it's straight for it's a torpedo into the side of what I call HMS America. Uh, it, it says here, Andretti will not join F1 and will have Toto Wolf to thank for that. Mm. <laughs> says Marcin. Andretti will not join F1 and we'll have Toto to thank for it. Now, what was your initial impression of that one? Well, as a member of the HMS America, it felt a little personal <laughs> as an American. <laughs> yep. However, I think that I feel like it's more of a suggestion than it is maybe a definitive i'm like well you don't know who have you been talking to have you mm. been talking to them i don't know um and i think that giving the toto wolf i guess reasoning i'm like oh well now your chances are even slimmer because there's a lot of reasons they might that andretti might not be able to join f1 mm. however i think that when andretti got the go-ahead from the fia I think that was the harder go ahead to get. So I a little bit disagree. I actually think, I think they're coming. I think Toto Wolf might not want it, but you know what else Toto Wolf didn't want? He also didn't want for Red Bull to get a, you know, financial fine for going over the cost cap. And let's see how that turned out. So that's my take. This is interesting. I, I, I've said it before. F1 team bosses are politicians. Call them what they are. And if if they're not being a politically minded, they're not doing their jobs properly. True. If you're an F1 team boss, you do not want an 11th team, no matter who they are. It's more competition. It's less revenue for you. It's a smaller slice of the pie. You know, th those sorts of competition reasons are going to be the reasons there that are going to lay out for not wanting another team. I actually think it's the opposite to you, Caroline. I think getting the FIA's approval was going to be the easier part because they've been mm. pushing to have more teams for some time. A good year. Well, so I think since Mohamed Ben Sulaim became president of the FIA, he's been keen mm -hmm. to get more teams in. He wants to see a full grid of 12 or potentially 13 even. He's pushed for that. I think Liberty Media and the sports owners are the ones that are digging their heels in about this. I don't think they want an 11th team. I think that they think, as confusing this may sound, I think that they think they're happy with their 10-team franchise model. It's an American-owned sport. They like their franchises how it is. It's very similar to like the NFL and the NBA where they have their franchises, they have their teams. We're going to look after the teams you've already got. And we're not going to risk anything that happening to our income by adding an 11th team and fumbling the bag for some of the people that are already there. Uh, and I think that's why the team bosses have largely been in agreement that they probably don't want an 11th team. I think the one that really, the, the only team boss that I can think of that has been a bit more receptive has been Zach Brown at McLaren. I think Zach mm -hmm. has been like, well, if they pay a bit more of a, of a dilution fee, we'll take them because then my team's worth more because people want to be here. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Um, but Zach's been a marketing guy for his entire career. That's how, that's how marketing people think. And that's how they talk. Um, 
So I actually think it's the opposite. I don't necessarily think that it's a that it's a governing body problem. I think it's a commercial problem. They are they are not sure how much money Andretti's going to put into the pot for everybody else. And I think that's why there's a, there's been this there's been this big talk about increasing that dilution fee from I think it's two hundred million right now, and mm-hmm. this it, it could get stupid high. Like I've, the lowest number I've heard is six hundred. Some of them have, I've heard have been like over two hundred million. million isn't already stupid high. Like you've got to think about it this way, Caroline. That's fees getting split ten ways. A one-off right. twenty million dollar check is not going to cover it for a lot of these teams if they end up oh, that's losing. So true positions you know so to a degree i understand where the teams are coming from like they want to protect their own value and the value of the sport has almost certainly gone up since 2020 when they put that dilution fee in there in the first place Mm -hmm. so if i if i put my team principal politician hat on then i would say there is some validity to what the team bosses and what the owners and what stefano domenicali f1 ceo has been saying as a fan, I think it's nonsense. <laughs> As a fan, I think it's BS. And I think, and if you're a fan, I don't see why on earth you wouldn't want an 11th team. You know, an extra car, two more cars, two more drivers, more intrigue, more drama. You know, for all the people that say that younger drivers aren't making the grid, two more, like two more cars would certainly solve at least a part of that problem. Absolutely. Um, you know, so. <sighs> Annoying. Not to mention it's good for sponsors and oh, yeah. because it's American, it's going to bring even more interest in America. Well, so it, it's it's not just Andrea, it's General Motors. General right. Motors are, the, are like one of the biggest car manufacturers in the world. Like that is mm-hmm. a f- huge amount of value as far as I'm concerned. So mm-hmm. like as a fan, I don't see the downside here. But of course, if you're a team boss, if you're a team owner, of course, mm-hmm. you're going to be a bit more cynical about it. I think it's nonsense. Annoyingly though, I kind of agree with Marsan's perspective. I don't think they're going to get in. I think this is going to get ugly. I think this may end up in a courtroom somewhere. I think think there is a reasonable chance that F1 will look back at this. They'll say no, and then Andretti will sue them. And they'll say, you know what? You're not letting us in on anti-competition grounds. And it Mm. could get ugly. That's my prediction as to how this will go. So... With the take in mind saying that Andretti will not join F1, I'm going to say four. I don't fully agree with five because I don't think it's necessarily the team bosses, but it's, it's, I think it's partly that. I think it's the overall commercial side of the sport that will that will knock this back in the end. But I'm going to say four. How would you score this, Caroline? I almost feel like I need to split this hot take into two pieces because mm. I would agree Andretti will not join F1. I feel like that I'm, I agree with you on the four, but we'll have total wolf to thank for that. That's a two because you're making the reason very specific. So I'm like, mm, I don't know that it'll necessarily be because of Toto wolf. However, it's possible. There's a lot of reasons why Andretti may not end up joining f1 so i but i'm not saying a three it's not my three <laughs> we're not averaging it out to make my three i'm giving mm. it two scores <laughs> I, I, I don't know how you feel about that audience send in emails and let me know if you think caroline's been cheating or not she split oh. carlos Sainz's grade up when you did the wtf1 <laughs> rap as well and she's out here bending the rules again first take in on this show you, mm. you're 
You're a maverick, Caroline. I'll I have to that. have my signature. I have to have my signature, and maybe this is it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Like sod the rule book. I'm Caroline. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just going to cause anarchy. Fine. We'll we'll we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> Take number two comes from Vinny at Siobican uh, 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 on Twitter. Forgive me if I've, I've mispronounced that I, again. I've said it before on the show. I'm terrible with pronunciation. It's a beautiful name. Beautiful name. I wish I could say it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we'll go with Vinny, which was the name on the profile. So, hi, Vinny. Your take is Max Verstappen should already be in the GOAT conversation. Mm. I'm glad uh, you picked this one because I feel like this is a very popular take. It, it, it's very what have you done for me lately kind of take, which is what oh. Formula One takes are always built on, isn't it? I mean, yeah. So Verstappen should already be in the GOAT conversation. You can take this one first, Caroline. Again, how, how do you feel about that one? I feel like to be considered a goat, and for those who may not know, who you know live under a rock, goat, goat stands for greatest of all time. I feel mm. like I always have to explain it. Uh, to hurts. be a goat, you have to be older and have been there for longer because greatest of all time i feel like it's a little too early to put him in the greatest of all time category is he great yes is he unbelievably talented absolutely does he deserve to win these championships yes goat status is a whole nother level that i'm like you can't just win championships and then be goat you know yeah, I mean, take take Simone Biles in in gymnastics. gymnastics yeah. She is a goat. Absolutely. She is a goat because she's won a bajillion things and has done things that nobody's ever done before, and will continue to do things that nobody's ever done before. And she's been in this for quite some time. I think she deserves goat status. I think Max is on the rise. Do I think it's capable of getting goat status? Absolutely. I mm-hmm. think he is very capable of getting goat status, but. For people that are saying that he's dethroning Lewis's goat status, I'm like, mm, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. <laughs> yeah, people people tend, to, like I've said before, it's a very what have you done for me lately kind of take. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how we get down when it comes to sports discourse. We are very in the moment when it comes to a lot of these takes. Um I think I remember dealing with a similar take about this earlier this season. And look, this was before, this was like, two or three races into Max's ridiculous, almost reign of terror, I've called it this season, <laughs> um, where it's just been incredible. And I've, I've, I've caught a lot of flack from people on Twitter lately for being allegedly anti-Red Bull. So here's, here's what I'll say on the record. Max Verstappen is having the greatest three-year run, arguably, in F1 history. The, the last three yeah. years has been absolutely incredible. I mean, 2021, say what you will about the ending, Verstappen's season was ridiculous even before that final round. It was insane. Nine wins. I think it was 17 top two finishes that year. Ridiculously consistent. Outrageous Mm -hmm. stuff. Last season, 15 wins. Never seen a 15-win season in F1 before. All-time great season. This one's even more ridiculous. (laughs) Like, this is outrageous this season he's won 13 out of 16 he could end up with a 17 or 18 win season by the time it's all said and done if it, and red bull's last real dodgy round was singapore is out of the way like mm-hmm. many people thought that was going to be the one kicker that would stop a perfect year and i we're, we're through that 
this has been the greatest free year run I've ever seen from any driver ever, in my opinion. And Max is incredible. I agree with pretty much everything you said, Caroline. Easy on the way to have to to form in an argument. Absolutely, if he keeps going at this pace for another two or three seasons. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's not there yet, is what I would say. Is he better than what Hamilton's achieved? No. Like, for me, the three people that I think you can make a very solid greatest of all time argument for is Michael Schumacher, Lewis Hamilton, and Fangio. Who did it in who won five titles in the 50s in an era where one crash, generally speaking, was your last. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could throw some of the more spiritual picks in there, like a Jim Clark or an Ayrton Senna and Alan Prost. Mm-hmm. They're all in the conversation. Hell, Vettel's not even surpassed Sebastian Vettel's numbers yet. Yeah. Yeah. But like maybe next probably next year. <laughs> I mean, given the way yeah. it's going. I mean, it's gonna, coming, but like yeah, not yet. You know, it's not not yet. So I would say this is probably two or three years early, in my mm-hmm. opinion. If he if he gets to the end of the regulation set, which I think is the end of twenty twenty five, and he's got what, five titles, then maybe seventy, eighty wins. Yeah. I'll have the conversation, certainly. Yeah. He's done Agreed. enough at, at that point, he's done enough where I can say okay, he's up there with the very, very best, the way he's been going. Not yet. This still mm-hmm. feels a little premature. Um, I'm, I, I will say this, Max fans, I think he's comfortably in the top 10 now if he wins this third title on Saturday. Or I say oh, Saturday. Sure. It's, a, it's a sprint weekend. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he only needs three points to win the title. Mm-hmm. He's, he's likely getting that on Saturday in Qatar. Weird thing to say, but he'll be a triple world champion with nearly 50 wins. That's basically Vettel numbers. Um, he's he's comfortably in the top 10 if he wins a third title. Mm-hmm. Goat, not yet. So I would say... Goat pending, if you will. Yeah, like, like <laughs> a- a- application's been sent. We're, we're checking it over. It's like, Andre, we're checking the entry. Yes. You know, we'll get back to you sometime in 2026. Like, yes. You, you got to remember, Verstappen's still only just turned twenty six. Like True. he's got he's got another fifteen years if he wants it. Like mm-hmm. th- there is plenty of time for Max to form that argument, and he probably mm-hmm. will. Uh, the way the way it's going, I'm going to say too. I disagree. I, I wouldn't say it's a strong disagreement because he's building a case as we speak that is very very strong. Um, mm-hmm. I'll get back to you on this one, but I'm, for now I'm going to say two. How do you feel about that, Caroline? I completely agree. Two with an asterisk. Like yeah. two for now. It'll go up. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll circle back later. Yeah. When he's actually in the goat conversations and it'll be a five. <laughs> I, I think so too. I think there is definitely going to be a, an argument that will be stronger over time. Just mm-hmm. a little bit early, like like mm-hmm. a, a, just a little bit. Um, I wouldn't. He's in that for me, second maybe third tier of Senna, Prost, Vettel, Louder, that kind mm-hmm. of that kind of ballpark. Maybe not quite Prost, Senna. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the greats, Schumacher. not necessarily one of the greatest of all times yet. Yes, I think that's a. I think that's the perfect way to describe it, Caroline. That's that's Thanks. why I got you here. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> This is a fun one. Take number three from uh, mm, Carlson. I've been Rest- thinking about this one. Carlson Restad. This is a very interesting one. And I did, I've yes. never looked at it like this until until I saw this laid out in front of me. It was, and I quote, what Albon is doing in the Williams is more impressive than what Piastri is doing in McLaren. Now, mm. this is 
fascinating when it comes to perspective. Mm-hmm. What Albon is doing in the Williams is more impressive than what Piastri is doing in McLaren. Caroline, how do you feel about that one? Because I can see your face, and it is it, it, it's it's like there's a burning battery going on right now with the smoke coming off it because it's like <laughs> this this is a tricky one. Well, there's so many thoughts because here's here's how I see this. This is like trying to compare French food and Italian food. They're both mm. great but they're different. And I feel like you're comparing two different (laughs) things. And Albon is a, not a rookie B in a car that has notoriously struggled and C has been working on that development in that car for years. Now Piastri is a rookie. This is his first time hopping in this car. This car has been developed significantly over the course of only this season. Mm. So I actually feel like, what they're both doing is impressive in their own right in a different way. I think that you can't really compare them. What what Albon is doing, incredibly impressive. Mm. So incredible. I actually feel like it would make more sense almost to compare Logan to Piastri because they're both rookies. They're both in somewhat development-esque cars. and But to compare Alex, I feel like, is... A little unfair because Alex has been a part of this development for quite some time. And I don't want to take away from what Oscar is doing in, in the, in the McLaren. It is very impressive mm. that he and his rookie season has already podiumed in a car that couldn't even hardly get around the track in the first race of this season. Very much so. And it's just a testament to what they've done at the McLaren headquarters and developing that car. But Uh, Yeah, that I mean, that's my ish answer. Like, I mean, you can't really compare them is kind of how I feel. It's it's certainly difficult because you kind of are comparing apples and oranges on this one because their perspectives are totally different and their their level of expectation is probably very different. Mm -hmm. McLaren, it's been a tale of two seasons for them. The first seven or eight races this year, they were struggling to even get in the points. Um, and since their Austria upgrade landed, they've been on the podium five times. It's a completely mm-hmm. different car and it's a completely different level of, of achievement to go from back end of the midfield to challenging for wins and podiums. It's a it's a different ball game entirely. And you're comparing a rookie and inevitably how he stacks up against Lando Norris, who for me is one of the best drivers in the world. And then you've got Alex Albon, who's kind of in a different scenario entirely. Obviously, he's done a fantastic job at Williams this year. Mm -hmm. Williams are off the bottom of the board. They look like they could finish as much as seventh, which would be a fantastic season for them, given I think the status they've been bottom of the championship four times in the last five years. So seventh would be a massive achievement for Williams, given it's the first year of James Vowles and what he's done down there. I think he's done an an outstanding job with Mm -hmm. Williams. But... Part of the problem here is that Albon's yardstick is Logan Sargent, who is a rookie of his own and has, let's be honest, struggled a bit this 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 year. He's mm-hmm. like it. It looks like Williams wants to back him, but it, it, I don't know if you saw the like the the Val's verdict on this, where he was talking about mm-hmm. wanting to keep Logan. It seemed like a dad who's being a bit pushy, where it's like. Logan, give us a reason for us to keep you. We want yeah. to keep you, but you've got to stop crashing. And that that's kind of what it felt like. That, that's the impression that I got when I watched that video. And mm-hmm. 
the the arguments to potentially maybe move on from Logan, I think, are valid. There is a degree of maybe he's not quite good enough to be here. And don't get me wrong, it's it's hard. Williams is is, you know, not been a prolifically good team, but Albon has been so good this year and he's a, he's a veteran by comparison he's had you know three or four seasons now in f1 and he's a lot more used to the car i think he's just naturally improved a lot from his time when he was at red bull and their umbrella and it's also hard for me because i said this last week and on last week's show when you weren't here that I've felt the Piastri run's been a little overrated, personally. <gasps> That's a whole nother hot take. Yeah, I, I said this last week because he finished 17 seconds behind Lando, and if it was any other team, we'd be, go- we'd be, we'd be going, hang on a minute, he's a bit behind, isn't he? Um, and I think people were more excited for Piastri just being on the podium than the actual performance where it was like, why were you so far off your teammate? Um, so I personally, I've, I've got the general opinion of mm. Piastri's good, but he's not like Lando good yet. Like, like let's wait a couple of years before we really start talking about, you know, Piastri as a, as a top tier driver. But, oh, this is tough. Um, it's hard. It is hard. <sighs> I've been very impressed by by Albon as well as Piastri to a degree. I lean towards kind of agreeing with this. Oh. It's 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 a, it's a very hard one. I might have to actually say three on this one for this very mm. reason, because they've both been really good in their own separate ways, but it's a different kind of impressive. I think Albon's impressed me because he's taken a bottom rung team and and he's spearheaded it into something that's no longer a bottom feeder, a team that can get in the points semi-regularly and actually be competitive. Piastri's impressed me because he's walked into a McLaren team against Lando Norris and held his own. Um, Something that Daniel Ricciardo, for example, could not do. Um, (laughs) <laughs> no, there's no getting around that one like like I, like I love daniel but let's not pretend like that like, like, like the claren run was good because it wasn't um so, <laughs> i think even he did all of his own hot takes today <laughs> i'm feeling it today caroline what can i say um because i said they're, they're both impressive but if but for different ways and for different reasons but i'm gonna say four okay I, you're I not agree. gonna put your three on this one I agree. I think I actually like Albon a little bit more for what he's done at Williams because I think ultimately Piastri is still playing second fiddle to a teammate. And don't get me wrong, it's it's a very good teammate. Lando Norris is a brilliant racing driver. So I was expecting Piastri to play second fiddle. But, you know, I think Norris is still clearly a cut above him. And I think that's probably why I'd say Albon's been a bit more impressive. So I'm going to say four. How do you feel on that, Caroline? How are you scoring this one? Oh, I score this as two because I think that you can't really compare them. I think if you were comparing Albon and Lando, I think that would be a fair comparison. I think if you were comparing Logan and Piastri, it'd be a fair comparison. But they're both impressive in their own right in different ways because they haven't faced the same. You can't compare impressiveness when they haven't faced the same exact challenges in the same exact scenarios. Mm. You know? so Yeah, absolutely fair. Two for uh, me, peace. 
peace indeed and caroline is not choosing <laughs> violence unlike me this episode clearly. um so take number four comes from jared r21 hi jared i know you're in our team wtf1 discord good to see you buddy um, yeah, jared, jared with two r's what's up yeah two r's it's, it's the australian version yeah uh, i love it yeah yeah i'm pretty sure it's the australian version of, of saying it because one of my favorite youtubers is a guy called jared so yeah jared hi jared good to see you um his take reads sergio perez is an okay driver that has had his moments of excellence mm. wow we're, we're we're off the checo wagon already i see um, yikes we are fully off the off the wagon. Um, yeah, Sergio Perez is an okay driver that has had his moments of excellence. Should I say how I feel about this one, Caroline? Uh, you I, go I, first. I, I want I, you to go first on this one. Yeah, I was gonna say because I, I like to go back and forth about who goes first yes. on this one. So I'll, I'll take this one first. I don't think Sergio Perez is only an okay driver. I think that is mean when you look at the overall shape of his career. Um. He has had his moments of excellence. No arguing with that. I mean, how many? I don't know how long you've been watching F1, Caroline, but for me personally, I've been watching for a long, long time. And Perez made his name in the midfield. And mm-hmm. what he did as a midfielder was so impressive how he was consistently racking up good results. And, and he had this knack of being in the right place at the right time. He would score these ridiculous podiums out of nowhere when you would never on paper put his car where you'd expect it to be. Mm-hmm. That was the beauty of Checo. And he did it brilliantly. And let's not forget, he got that Red Bull seat in the first place when he was fourth in the championship in 2020 in a racing point. The artist is now known as Aston Martin. Um, That's an incredibly impressive season, no matter which way you you slice it. So I don't believe in this revisionist history on Sergio to go back and now say that he's only okay. I disagree. I think he's been a great driver for a long time. And I think it's easy to look down on him now because he's at Red Bull and he struggled by comparison to Max Verstappen. And it's easy to forget that this Red Bull team, and they'll deny it, he'll deny it, because Max has never seen a fight he won't take. Um, If you ever see him, when it comes to how he comes to dealing with the media and how people poke at him, um, I generally have this, this, this notion of it's incredibly hard to walk into that Red Bull climate and be on Max's level. The walking proof is the string of drivers that he has had as teammates over the years and have struggled against him. The only one that really stood up to him was Daniel Ricciardo. And mm-hmm. R- Ricciardo left because he didn't want to be a number two. And mm-hmm. he, he he could read the tea leaves. He could see where the direction of that team was going. And he was right to think that, that it was going towards Verstappen. And he was right. And that's why he walked away from them and thought he could bring Renault up to snuff instead. That didn't go, that didn't work out so well for him, but I admire the effort and I admire him for trying. And, Checo for me is no different to Alex Albon or Pierre Gasly when he when when they were there as teammates. I think I think Perez has been a little bit better than those two personally in terms of stacking up by comparison to Max. On a good day, Checo can beat them straight up. We saw it in Baku earlier this year. And um, you know Saudi Arabia, yeah, Max had the drivetrain problem in qualifying, but Perez is good enough where on a good day, he can hold his own and win in his own right. And that is worth something. That's something that Gasly and Albon could not do. Um, 
So I, I don't want to go out and say that his whole career and go back and say that he's just been average his whole career. Cause that's, I don't, I don't think that's true. I just think he's a driver that was given a once in a lifetime opportunity to go to Red Bull when he was so good and they wanted to move on from Albon and he's just struggled against a generational talent. And that's sometimes just how it goes in F1. It's it's hard. It, like, no one, I don't, I'm not sure there's a driver on the grid. Maybe Lewis, that might be it. As someone that could walk into that Red Bull environment and immediately take it to max. That, mm-hmm. that is going to be so difficult. That's, a, that's as tough a challenge as it gets in Formula One, personally. So I, I personally have this opinion of, I think... Yes, Checo is struggling right now, but I don't think he's just been like this okay driver that's never really done much. If you, if you watched him in his Sauber and his, his Force India days, there's a quality driver there in Checo, and I think he'd still do a job in a midfield team tomorrow if the right wheels were there. Yeah. That's me. That's me personally. How do you feel about it, Caroline? I think that... I need a little bit of a clarification on is an okay driver, because I think when you look at the stats and you look at the numbers this year in comparison to max, it's easy to say this year, this season, Sergio Perez has been an okay driver. And I want to revise it by saying none of these drivers are okay drivers. It is so hard to do this. (laughs) It is so hard. There are drivers, professional drivers across the world, that could not do this. So you can't be an okay driver and drive an F1. However, has he had moments of excellence? Absolutely. Has he had an incredible career that's gotten him a very well-deserved Red Bull seat? Absolutely. 100%. I believe that. I think that he came into Red Bull knowing he was going to be a driver too. That was always the objective from the very beginning. So he's known that he couldn't come in and be exceptional star power, rah, rah, va, va, boom, whatever you want to call it, (laughs) because that was always going to be Max's position in Red Bull. So his role coming into Red Bull was always to be Red Bull's okay driver and not Red Bull's va, va, boom driver, because that's, max so if you put it through that lens i'm like okay sure but that just means that sergio's following the prompt and doing exactly what they're paying him to do which in my mind makes him the smartest driver because he's like (laughs) i will do my job exactly how you want me to do it and we saw it in 2021 he helped max time and time again and was a team player and has won so many wonderful races in yeah, the Red them. Bull car. Fordham in the Red Bull, yeah. Mm. Yes. So I'm kind of torn on this one because I'm like, if you're looking at it just in the scope of this year only, I think that maybe this is right. But as a compliment to Sergio, like not as a, not even yeah. as like a diss to Sergio, but over the course of his career, I agree with you and that I disagree with this because I think he's an incredible driver that's done incredible things and has had more than moments of excellence, but has had an incredible run. And I don't think his run should end. I think it's wrong that people are like, he should be out at the end of 2024. I'm like, no, 
I think you're wrong, but you know what would fix this? An 11th team. Has this got something to do with a certain Instagram you uploaded today? Uh, by, ah, by any chance? Just, just... I, would like, I would like for it to be on record that I uploaded that before I saw what today's hot takes were going to be. And you then did. I saw today's hot takes. I was like, oh, this is about to get so dicey. <laughs> you, you'll, you'll have to follow Karen on an Instagram for that one. We'll give her a chance to play plug that at the end of the show but you you'll see what i mean once you get there just 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 trust me on this one um just take my word for it no i think that's valid i mean i i must admit i've been harsher on checo for this specific season i think the way they've had to play the liam lawson situation the alpha towery mm-hmm. i said i think last week and in other places that i to me it felt like the, the cork in the bottle was Checo and not necessarily Daniel Ricciardo or Yuki Tsunoda in, in the sister team right now. And I think if you were going to move on with, from somebody, I think Checo would be the name to move on from out of those three because he's kind of a known quantity. You know, Ricardo has done well in your cars previously and you can just give Lawson that Alpha Tower seat because he's driven incredibly well so far this year. So I thought... I'm I've, shocked that you would choose Yuki over Checo. I, I, I felt bad for Yuki because I think his achievement, it's not his fault. He, his yardstick was Nick DeFries. That was the team's decision to put him in the car in the first place. Mm-hmm. And obviously that didn't work out. And I think it will be very harsh to judge Sonoda in an in unfavorable light against him. I think it would be a fairer fight for Sonoda if he went up against a Ricardo or a Lawson, depending on who's in the other car. That was my logic. I stick to that logic, <laughs> but I also believe that I think calling just Perez okay is harsh because I feel like I remember writing my, an article years ago called my top 10 drivers of the 2010s and I had Perez in the top 10. I had Perez 10th on that list. I think mm. he he has had a very, very good career no matter how you slice it. To have like If you've won five F1 races, then you are clearly a quality driver in your own right. No matter what circumstance, no matter what the context or the nuance, you've done well. And he earned that Red Bull seat by the season mm-hmm. he had getting into it. So who's to say he won't have more moments of excellence between now and the end of his career. And I hope if this is the end of him, the end of this season at Red Bull, then he can land on his feet somewhere else. Maybe Williams. Um, if, if Sorry, Logan. Um, <laughs> if, that, if, that's the, if that's the case, but like you said, the 11th team would solve that problem. Um, I'm going to say two on this one in, in regards to Jared's take. I think it's, harsh to call Perez okay based on just this season. Yes, it's, he's had a poor year by his standards, by most, I think, reasonable F1 fan standards. But I don't think his best days are behind him. I think the right outfit, the right team for him, and I think he would easily shine again. I think I just don't think it's at Red Bull. I think you're completely mm. right, Caroline, that being the number two in that setup is always going to stifle you, no matter, no matter what. And... Yeah, I think it would be harsh to, you know, just pin it on this season. So I'm going to say two. How do you feel about it, Caroline? Because I feel like I've said two for every other one. <laughs> <laughs> this is so much harder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I'm going to put this through the lens of only this season. And sure. I'm going to put that little caveat in there and give this a four that I agree that 
he's only really had moments of excellence this season and otherwise has been doing his duty as the okay number two driver. Okay. And give it a four for this season only. That that's fair. I give it a one for the sake of his like whole career. No, that's fair. Four you for this season spl- only. You splitting takes and adding context mm, again. God, thank God. you. <laughs> I, she was never invited back again. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. I'm joking. I would never do That's that. Okay. Never, never, never. <laughs> Last take of the episode comes from Mega versus Primus on Twitter. Hi, Kieran. And, and he says the raised floor height rule change in 2022 is what made racing worse in 23. Without the change, this season would be one of the most exciting seasons in F1 history. Mm. So you reckon that the 2022 technical directive, if I were to give it its proper name, for mm-hmm. raising the ride heights of the cars has what's caused this bad racing because this season would be excellent without it. Mm. You go first I- on this one too, because I feel like I've gone first on a lot of them. Okay, I'll go first on this one. I think it's part of the problem. I partially agree with you, Kieran. I think it certainly has not helped. I remember that during the middle of last year, Mercedes was begging for a for a, a technical directive on this because let's be honest, their car was breaking their drivers' backs. I remember back literally. In, I remember Hamilton Ebby could barely get out of his car at the end of that race. That car was porpoising like a mother. So um, it was it was not ideal at all. And Mercedes were the ones who pushed for that change. The problem is, is that Red Bull never had that problem. They they their car was not porpoising anywhere near as much at all through the middle of last year, and then we got the technical directive and then back end of last year red bull won pretty much everything they won nine out of the last 10 i remember ferrari was a threat through the first half of the season technical directive happened they raised the right heights and it completely ruined ferrari ferrari were, were doa after that um and red bull won nine out of the last 10 so yeah to a degree i agree with this take the other thing i would put as a caveat to this is i would also say that this year and the fact that engineers are engineers are probably the bigger problem here because they're going to find loopholes. They're going to look at the regulations and they're going to, you know, add downforce where they can add downforce. And generally speaking, if you add topside downforce to a car, it's going to generate more dirty air. And if it generates more dirty air, it's going to be harder to follow. Racing tends to be worse. So I think raising the floor is a factor. Certainly, I wouldn't dismiss that at all. I think it's absolutely a part of what's happened. But I also think that part of it is naturally what teams do, where they will Mm. just make their cars better. And the main way of making your car faster in this era is to add downforce. Because everybody's mm-hmm. on the everybody's on the weight limit now, um, they know how much these cars weigh. They're not cutting pounds out of, or taking ballast out anymore, you know. So one of the few ways you can get faster is by adding more downforce and figuring out where you can generate it. And I think that is always going to lead to more spaced out racing eventually. Yeah. So yeah, I think. I think it's part of the problem, but I don't think it's all of it, Kieran. Because I agree with all the rest of this take. Yes, the floor height has been a problem. And if you look behind Red Bull, the action's been fantastic. Um, Yeah. The fight for second has been fascinating all year long. It's just 
I don't necessarily think it's because of just the floor change. How do you feel about it, Karen? Mm-hmm. I would agree. I would say that, yes, the floor change definitely is a big player. However, I think all of the regulation changes have what gotten us, that's what's gotten us to where we are. So I think that if they hadn't made any of the changes, you know, then everybody was coming in with the same set of rules in 2022. I think we would have seen some really close racing because of the previous changes that all the teams have now figured out. But this is what happens. They make changes. Everybody's got to figure it out. Everybody had been figuring it out for years and years and had gotten there, which is how we had gotten to such close racing. And then it was like the rug was pulled out. I was like, ha ha change again. And yep. Red Bull figured it out better than everybody else nobody could have anticipated that nobody nobody knew i mean hindsight's 2020 so i mean yes i agree with this in the sense that yeah if they hadn't made any of the changes we would totally be seeing much closer racing very exciting seasons and and whatnot but also There is no way they could have known. If anything, I think that they went into changing a lot of these regulations with the hope and the thought that maybe some teams that haven't been dominant would suddenly have the opportunity to be dominant and it would level the playing field. I don't think that they went into it being like, ah, yes, let's give Red Bull total domination with these new. No, they no, that was not at all the thought. So I actually pretty strongly agree with this. But I don't think for the same reasons that maybe at Mega versus Primus, yeah, maybe met exactly. I was going to (laughs) say the FIA did not anticipate how this was going to go down because if memory serves, the FIA warned the teams when Mm -hmm. this regulation set came out. They were like, "Look, guys, we've seen the cars." Mm-hmm. We think this is going to happen by having ground effects back in F1 again. We think there's a chance your cars could bounce up and down. Do you want us to put a rule in about minimum ride height to avoid this? And all the teams are like, no, mm-hmm. don't do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. we, we want to exploit that. And then Mercedes, to borrow a meme format, f the round and found out. And, um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's partially what led to that technical directive being put in because... Mm-hmm. They complained that they complained that you know, this was dangerous because their car was not very good at it. Um, there's, there's, yeah. there's, there's no getting around that. And yeah, I I I think it has played a role in how we got to this point. Certainly, because Red Bull was always the best at having its car not porpoise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think there's more elements at play that that led us to get to this point where Red Bull has been so dominant. I think. It, it's it is more to it than that. So what I would mm-hmm. say, Kieran, to your take is I will probably score this a three. You can't do two threes. I know I went two on 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 the album take. Ah, okay. I, 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 okay. I was thinking about it, but I went down from three to two. So I'm going to mm. use three on this one okay. to say I'm pretty neutral on this one because yes, I agree that the floor the floor height changes certainly had a, a role in how we got here and yeah like i think this could be i think under the surface this could be a very exciting season if red bull wasn't around or if they weren't as dominant because again mercedes ferrari aston martin mclaren have all had 
five podiums each in their fight mm-hmm. per second. It's it's been it's been a fascinating fight in in that regard at least. But um, I don't think it's just the floor heights. I think there's more to it than that. So I'm going to say three. Uh, mm-hmm. to, I'm going to sit on the fence just this once and uh, <laughs> say, say three on this one. Are, are you going to score it, Caroline? I'm going to give it a four only because I think that there is some validity to this. Uh, mm. But with circumstances, you couldn't have anticipated it. That's why it's not a five. Um, which, because this is my four, I'm going to circle back to number one and make it my three. So I'm not breaking any rules. That's and we're fair. all okay. <laughs> Carol just makes this stuff up as she goes along. I love it. <laughs> like, That's life. <laughs> I, 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 I can't even argue with the logic. It's just like, yeah, you know what? Fair enough. Um... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Well done, Caroline. Well done. Before you get out of here, tell the good people where they can find you. Uh, you guys can find me on TikTok, Instagram, Threads, and Patreon. I'm F1 Caroline on all all of the above. So easy to find. No spaces, no underscores, just F1 Caroline with a C based yes. here in America. Uh, contrary to popular belief, a lot of people think that I am British and I'm honored that you would think that I'm part of your beautiful country, but I am proud to be an American. I am American. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I, I have heard this before. Cause I know you mentioned this in Vegas about the accent. Just you, your accent is beautiful, but it's, it's just my American just- accent. Yes, it's it's it's, oh, it's, 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 it's it's wonderful. But uh, yeah, you, you don't want the British distinction. Trust me, you, you, you don't. <laughs> you, you're fine where you are. I, I promise you that. Um, no, thank you. Give her a little. I would say give her a little WTF one bump from us, but she doesn't need it. She's absolutely killing it right now on on Instagram and all those good places. She's a part of the WTF one talent family for good reason. She, she's uh, her reels are are immense they are incredibly funny i watch them every time they come out they are brilliant <laughs> do check them out she's also a podcaster as well tell them where they can find your podcast wise if you like this yes one as well. of course the podcast can be found on spotify apple podcasts really anywhere you can get podcasts it's called gravel trap f1 i do it with my lovely co-host christina who's now also a part of the yes. wpf1 talent christina, team yes, rah, rah. Right. very hey. exciting and you guys make sure you check out dre too this has been so much fun dre is a blast and a half to talk to you i know i know that sometimes people think that people have a persona online and then a persona in person dre is the same everywhere he is just dre (laughs) and i love it so much it is a delight to know you it's a delight to be your friend it's a delight to work with you thanks dre Oh, you, you spoil me. I'm going to try. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Caroline. It's, 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 it's an honor. You're welcome back anytime. And it's got nothing to do with the fact you just buttered me up so beautifully in that last paragraph. Um, very much appreciated. Please give Caroline a follow. Check her out on Patreon. Give her your money. She's well worth it. Um, I, I promise. Um, until next time, I've been Dre Harrison. She's been Caroline Smith. We'll see you uh, after this episode for the Qatar Grand Prix. Until then, thank you very much for listening. Take care. Sign out. See ya.